On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we have another sports betting exchange founder, Alex Kane, the CEO of Sport Trade, comes on and we talk about why his company is going to be better than Smarkets and what they're doing different than Smarkets. No, actually, we don't talk that much about that, but we do talk about what they're doing um, and how they're going to win the U.S. betting space. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage is sports game. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast. We're in continuing with our tour of all of the uh, market-based uh, sports books in the United States that are somewhat blossoming around. We have Alex Kane from Sport Trade, who's joining us, um, CEO founder, after fresh off the heels of probably our most successful podcast ever, where we interviewed Jason Trost from Smarkets. That's actually a joke. That was not our most successful. I think our most successful podcast episode ever was Jeopardy James. Or every episode that Ted Knudsen's on. Or maybe the us. one we did with Spanky. How about the one we did with Spanky? Oh, that, that one's my favorite. Mm, it is my favorite. You have to find the Easter eggs in it, though. Uh, anyway, so Alex, thanks for joining us. T- tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what brought you to be on our podcast at 11 p.m. on East Coast time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff and, and Rufus. Uh, it's, I've been, I've, I've been one of the seven listeners for quite some time now. I would imagine you may have more than seven listeners, uh, by now, but, uh, I've been very, well, not if you're not, if you're on, because now we have six, because unless you listen to your own podcast, which, which remains to be seen, let's see how it goes. But, um, yeah, I've known Rufus now for about two years and, and just, you know, just to call it out, Rufus is someone that has been so supportive uh, from the very beginning when I knew absolutely nothing about the industry and was just trying to learn everything I could, you know, himself and Captain Jack, among others, were just like incredibly constant and helpful. And then like, I just, without, without here. Um, so a bit about myself, my background's in, in business law and finance. I graduate, graduated from Drexel University in 2017. And it was there at Drexel that I kind of fell in love with, you know, the capital markets world. And I, started to wonder why is it so easy for me to buy and sell anything? Uh, you know, cryptocurrency, stocks, equity options on, on platforms like Robinhood and Coinbase. And at the same time, you know, watching my network engage in sports betting and saying, well, you know, as a finance major, like, hey, this sports betting thing looks a lot like capital markets, you know, trading did 30 years ago, according to my studies. And, and I just became so interested in like, well, I just don't see a big enough difference in, in, in betting on the price of Apple's you know, share price or, or the, the price of Brent crude and, and betting on the Phillies to win to warrant this like massive rift and how customers are treated in sports betting still to this day and how the capital markets works where you could just pick up a phone and pay zero, pay a very low bid-ask spread and get filled on a great trade. So, so that is what sport trade is. We are a fintech company bringing capital markets principles to elevate the sports betting industry and put the customer at the forefront. And we do that by simply looking at what worked really well in capital markets and trying to apply those things to solve the you know, problems that plague today's sports betting industry. Um, we're launching in New Jersey this year. We're really excited about that. We have a partnership with the Valley's Casino. We are now roughly 50 folks uh, that are really excited to do what we're doing and, and have this vision to d- disrupt the industry and create something new and bring in a new audience. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of a high high level overview of sport trade. I remember when you were just three people. That was uh, some sort of growth. But so, question first off, I, I do want to challenge you. Uh, like you're, you're talking about the parallels to financial markets, but hey, first off, let, isn't first the biggest... off, let's we need disclosure, right? Rufus is an advisor to the company. I'm yes, I'm and an advisor so to Sport Trade. He's an advisor, meaning he's probably compensated via some form of equity. 
or do you just cook him dinner every once in a while? Um, well, I, I, I had Rubus out to play golf one time and he owes me a golf round. So I think that's, that's probably somewhere. So once he owes you a golf round, once he gives you his golf round, is his, his advisor duties over? And, and the thing about Rubus and golf is like, I remember trying to engage, like, I, I still remember reaching out to Rubus and I couldn't believe like the day he responded and whatever. And like within eight months we were playing golf. And like, I just remember like wanting to speak about all these things. And like, he'd be like, all right, well, how long is this hole? I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yards. Hey, so what about that? Should I hit three wood or driver? And I just remember the whole day. And then by the end, like I just got locked into the game. I think we both played pretty well that day. Um, so very much looking forward to playing again soon, but you're correct. Rufus is an advisor and he became an advisor at the point in our firm. Where we just had no idea what we're doing. We had no chance of getting market access. We were very early on. Um, and he was just like so supportive and, and, and uh, brought us a lot of credibility when we had absolutely none. So. Really well, I mean, there's so many things packed in there. The fact that you didn't know what was going on, so you turned to Rufus. The fact that you say that bringing him on bought you credibility. Yes. I just, I don't even really know where to start. But Rufus, sorry, why don't you go ahead and ask uh, your question? I just, I, I just want to hear you keep going on this, Jeff. This is what I'm here for. I kind Let's of now don't even know if I really want to play golf with you because I, I would enjoy someone that's there to have fun versus worrying about how long the hole is. You got, you got to hit the right club. Okay, you, so Rufus, you and my brother question. would have fun talking about like talking shit about me and golf. When I play golf, I'm very focused on the golf. But your brother is like your brother gets mad at me for not being nice to you on the podcast. So I don't does he? There was like one episode I think I was really mean to you, and he got mad at me. He did. I mean, you are his big brother, so it's he true. looks up to you. You know, you, you, no, nobody likes seeing their big brother. And he's also color. been he's been featured on the Tony Kornheiser show. So there you go. Yeah, so, so Rufus, I think the okay. question yeah. you 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 know maybe to get out in front of is like, hey, how can you bring capital markets principles of sports betting like totally different industries? One's way more liquid than the other. Um, you know, don't want to front run your question, so to speak, but is that kind of the the crux of your question? Well, I, I was going to say actually that one is actually has a purpose in society, right? It is like it, it's at least supposed to have a purpose that is constructive, you know, to match. But Rufus, there's a, kind of, and, there's a, kind, yeah. there's a, there's, there's different kinds of financial trading, right? And some of the financial trading is pure, is pure speculation, right? For sure. Like but, in but markets, initially there was a per, like futures markets, right? It's, it's certainty for the farmer who needs to know that his crop. Right. Is so those are the hedgers, right? right? So every market has hedgers and speculators, right? Mm-hmm. And like he, the hedgers need it. And the reason we have these markets theoretically is for hedging risk, right? But then what makes markets liquid is the speculators. Of so course. I, I do think there's a, you know, the, 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 the biggest problem is that you don't really have a need for hedging in sports, right? There's not, there's not that natural finding. That's, that's sort of the fundamental right. difference, right? Certainly you have plenty of people that want to speculate. Yeah. What? Yeah. I think the way that we look at this is, is this is betting. This is entertainment. This is not a surefire way for the vast majority of our future customers to make money. But the question remains like, okay, whether it's for entertainment or not, does that, you know, yeah, I think the current way of thinking is, well, it's a vice and it's really not for public goods. So screw the customer. Right. So well, who cares the widespread and everything. And like, again, like I just don't see enough of a difference. Like even if you're doing it for entertainment purposes, you still deserve, I, I believe the same amount of customer care and protection you get in capital markets. Cause why not? The fact that you're doing for entertainment or not shouldn't warrant and give the operator, the regulator a pass to say, well, it's a vice to so kind of screw him. And I think that's that's the thesis. That's our ethos is saying, well, yeah, we want to be clear. It's it's, it's entertainment. It's you know, not a surefire way to make money. Um, but but you still should be afforded the same protections that you've come to know and love and appreciate in capital markets trading. Is, can you, sorry, Rufus. Go no, you go for it, Jeff. No. Can you explain, uh, you, you gave us a video and- I encourage if you're going to, I don't know if you're going to put that up on Twitter or anything like that, but I encourage people that want to see how this works um, to watch it. Can you, t- can you walk through in, in, you know, as, as simple as possible, what the experience is. It, it reminds me a lot of worldwide sports exchange, mm-hmm. except for it's a real market versus actually having like a market maker sit in between. And the, the, the concept of the, of these, you know, hundred dollar contracts or whatever I like for the simplicity angle so, so tell a little bit about like the the actual sort of user experience, um, and then we can we can dive in a little bit on that. Sure. So, so uh, you know, not to put the cart before the horse per se, but but just given the way that sports betting is regulated, 
you know, we, you know, there's several different pieces of the capital markets ecosystem. There is the broker, like Robinhood. There is the clearinghouse, like Apex. There is the exchange. Um, and I think because of the way sports betting is regulated, we kind of have to be all in one. So we, we are this kind of vertically integrated kind of exchange and brokerage. And, and if you think about like NASDAQ's business model, like NASDAQ lists securities and then they match buyers and sellers of, of, of stocks in those securities. And, and what sports trade does is we list sports outcomes and a sports outcome could be, you know, Cubs to beat the Pirates or Serena Williams to win the US Open. And we match buyers and sellers of what are called contracts in those listed sports outcomes. And a contract is an instrument that settles at 100 if the listed outcome occurs and zero if it doesn't. So to take that, you know, Serena Williams to win the US Open example, um, her contract price is going to vary between zero and $100 according to the market. It's going to reflect the market's estimated probability of her winning the US Open. And if she wins the US Open, we settle her contracts at 100 And if she doesn't, we settle them at zero. So this is, as you're saying, Jeff, it's a more approachable zero to 100. You understand your risk, you understand your return, and you can actually trade these things. So you buy Serena to win uh, at the US Open at maybe $5 per contract, rep representing a 5% win probability for her. And then if she wins in the first three or four matches, now she's trading $25. And you as a retail participant could say, well, I bought in at five bucks and I'm selling out at 25 bucks and I made, made $20, $20 as a profit. So. That's how the platform works. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an event contract exchange allows customers to speculate on the probability of, of listed events to occur. And, and so has, has this all been approved in terms of like the regulatory and everything? So these contracts are, you can, you can just start offering them mm -hmm. once you get going. Yep, we are regulated as a sports betting exchange. Um, and, and what's been so interesting is that we have found the regulators specifically kind of in New Jersey to be like incredibly business friendly. And, and, and they're saying, look, we, we want a betting exchange. We've wanted a betting exchange for some time. And they're kind of dubbing our, our platform like the stock exchange version of, of sports betting, which we love. And, and they've worked with us and said, well, like we haven't contemplated how this is going to work, but we want it to work. So, so we're going through the process now. We're going to be entering the performance lab soon. Um, and then, and then thereafter we'll be in, in soft launch. So we've been like, so blown away by like how supportive and encouraging the regulators have been and how business friendly they are because they see what we're doing. They say, oh my gosh, you guys can bring in a ton of new customers that aren't using the one of the, you know, 25 kind of sports betting products that are currently in New Jersey. So, so it's regulated as a sports betting product. It's regulated as a sports betting exchange. And we're working with regulators to kind of define what that means. So who is your target customer here? I mean, I see with, with the zero to 100 thing, that is different nomenclature than you traditionally see with American odds. So for me, I know I would, it would like initially when I started betting, when I started working for LBSC in 2008, I had to, th I was thinking in probabilities and, and then I had to like convert to American odds in my head. Now I'd like think in American odds. So I'd be like, well, you know, what's 27%? I don't know. Like, you know, but um, so for me, it would be like initially more difficult but so I, I sort of see it as something that might be more difficult for a regular better at the beginning. Um, are you going after these people that are like maybe in the finance world that are, are not betters that might be intimidated by the American odds system? Or do you have plans to offer American odds as well? Or I mean, what's sort of the plan there? You know, I think initially the, the approach is to go after the millions of customers that we believe are sitting on or potential customers that are sitting on the periphery of sports betting and are currently gambling through the context and the conduit of trading and buying and selling NFTs and cryptocurrencies and, and, and equity options and equities and, and apps like Robinhood and like Coinbase and like public have made it so easy um, that, that they've kind of predisposed and preconditioned so many Americans on how to gamble in a different way. And I think in, in 10 years, this is gonna be the predominant form for many folks on, on, on how, to, how to bet. And that, that certainly is the, the target customer. I, I also think that, and, and as you gentlemen know, like one of the great things about an exchange is that it produces like better pricing. And I think to a, some segment of the sports betting world, better pricing matters a ton. And, and there is a world where, you know, there's a customer like a Rufus that says like, I really just prefer the American odds. Um, you know, we would be able to support that at some, at some point in time. 
Um, it's a rather easy conversion, as you may imagine, just as Rufus is converting from probabilities to American odds and vice versa, we would be able to do the same uh, on our application. But certainly initially, it's about bringing in a new customer because I just think it's too much of an uphill battle just to say, well, we're just better odds than DraftKings. Like, are there enough customers from the get-go that are going to care about this to give us the opportunity to prove out our business model? Maybe. We believe that, you know, the, a different approach that, that we're going to take is, is why don't we try and bring a new customer in and some of our testing we've been talking to, like if you trade options on Robinhood and you watch sports, like you're going to absolutely love this. Uh, and it's going to feel so much more native than, than trying to learn kind of American odds. So that's how I'd answer that, that question, uh, Rufus. I mean, I really like the idea of the in, in event, like during the event, being able to trade something very simple. I think that outcome aspect of like Serena Williams or whatever winning, you know, Wimbledon and having it be a 100 or zero, that, that really reminds me a lot of worldwide sports exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, and I, I remember playing that and thinking that that was an incredible experience, obviously during golf tournaments, it's going to be really great. Also, it's going to be super fun. Um, what, how do you guys guarantee the liquidity? Are you guys going to take market risk or are you guys, um, so, so you, you will be taking, you will be the other side of many trades. So we, we really, and, and, you know, just as an ethos, as a business, we view ourselves really as a, as a FinTech company. We, we look up to companies like NASDAQ, to companies like the Chicago Board of Options Exchange and say, how are they running their business? Because clearly they're doing something right. I mean, I can pick up my phone tomorrow morning at 9.30 and I can put a market order on DraftKings and I'm going to get executed at a penny-wide spread. And, and ultimately, it may not be penny-wide spreads in sports, but it's going to be pretty dang close. And it's not going to be just us. We just want to accelerate the degree to which we, we reach that point. And I think there are there is no capital markets exchange in the U.S. that takes risk against its customers. You just can't do it. NASDAQ doesn't do it, SIBO doesn't do it, NYSE doesn't do it. What they instead do is they partner with a select few, what are called lead market makers or designated market makers to provide liquidity, to provide bid-ask quotes and compete amongst one another to provide the best spread to the electronic ecosystem. And then when we route customers' orders down to our exchange, they're, they're matched against the best possible bid or offer down to that exchange. And I think like core to any exchange really working, like you, you can't, you know, we believe you, you can't take risk against your customer. You can't be the exchange and the market maker. You really, you really have to be one or the other. So, so that means we are relying on third-party market makers to, to provide liquidity to our venue. And again, I would remind, you know, that's not too dissimilar to how the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ work. If New York Stock Exchange tomorrow were to call up its four designated market makers and say, you don't have to show up to work today, like everyone's 401k would collapse. Like absolutely critical to the ecosystem are market makers and our mar- is market making. And, you know, an exchange can't do that itself. It's just a conflict of interest. I mean, I think I was, well, I think that's the, you know, there hasn't really been, I guess, a super successful sports betting exchange out there. I mean, I guess you can make an argument that fair has been, but they, I think they make more money off of their sports book. And I think they just realized like, Hey, we can make more money actually just booking, being the market maker ourselves. So I guess that's um, what differentiates you. But at some point in time, what if you're like, well, you know, who knows, maybe you'll, you know, figure, decide why am I paying these other, uh, why am I paying these other companies to make markets when I can do it myself for, for cheaper and make more money? Yeah, I, I certainly don't ever want to promise anything I don't know is 100% certain. Um, we have such an affinity for some of the world's largest capital markets venues. I mentioned NASDAQ and, and New York and, and the SIBO. And, and yeah, like that practice is just, it would put you behind bars. It put you in an orange jumpsuit in capital markets. And like, we just feel like we want to bring this industry a lot closer to what capital markets looks and feels like. And absolutely paramount to that is not breaking some of these kind of, uh, you know, commandments. And then that's certainly one of them. I do think that there's needs to be other ways to monetize, right. And create revenue other than transactional revenue, i.e. commissions. And again, we look into the capital markets world and say, well, market data is really valuable. And we are looking at the same market structure that you guys are looking at and saying, well, 
you know, DraftKings and FanDuel, they're 15, 20, 25% of the time in play, they're not even showing a bid ask quote or they're not showing a uh, odds to the customer. And there's a market data opportunity there. So we're, we're looking at other ways to perhaps monetize similarly to how other exchanges in, in capital markets do. But but you're you're right, Rufus, we can't like guarantee to the world that we'll never do it. I just, I, it's just not not in our, our ethos currently to, to, to take risk against our customers. We're a platform, we match buyers and sellers. So how do you, I mean, so what I believe, I, I believe that the success or failure of an exchange comes from liquidity. Yep. I mean, that's, that's my, right around, that's my fundamental belief. It's a, good, um, it's a good stance to take, Rufus. Well, it, it's also fundamental to what I'm looking for from an exchange too. So maybe, maybe there's yeah. a- So can I, can I ask a question on this? Because I, I think we're probably getting this. How are you going to find these traders? How the, wait, find the market makers? Yeah. Are yeah, you going to be going a market maker, how are you gonna gar- I was going to ask, how are you going to guarantee these- that these markets are liquid. So someone like myself or a Spanky or, you know, someone who is not able to bet at the regular sports books to, you know, the amount they would like um, mm-hmm. can you know, actually utilize the exchange. Yeah. So there's, there's, this is certainly going to be a challenge. And, and we again, look towards, you know, there was a bit of a discussion today on Twitter. I'm like, who, you know, how is, how is sport trade kind of guaranteeing the liquidity and, 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 and this model has worked really well in capital markets. Some of the biggest up-and-comer exchanges have partnered with market makers, have partnered with banks, have partnered with brokerages to try and kind of pre-create the flywheel and induce it in a way to kind of get from zero to one as soon as possible. And we are not guaranteeing that the moment we turn on our exchange that there's going to be a ton of liquidity and it's, it's going to work super well. I think that's what's so exciting about creating an exchange venue. It's a living, breathing thing. We're not just kind of plugging in Amelco or Canby or what have you and can kind of guarantee kind of a mediocre product on day one. This is going to take time. And, and absolutely paramount to that is, is, is having the market makers kind of take the first step. And, and that's certainly how we plan on, on, on doing things. And what's so interesting, Jeff, and this is why like we see, feel really validated in this kind of concept of, hey, maybe sports betting is going to shake out a lot different here in the U.S., just given how different the American society and culture is around betting and trading than in, in, a, in a market like the UK is that we've talked to a lot of the big names uh, in market making, you know, there, there's a lot of them and, and some of them are very large in, in equities trading here in the U S and they're looking at their business model and saying, well, we make about $1 for every $40,000 we trade. That's on average, how much a market maker in capital markets makes $1 every $40,000 traded. And we tell them that in New Jersey, a book is making about six and a half dollars for every hundred. So think about that, six and a half dollars for every hundred versus $1 on 40,000. And they're thinking, wait a minute, maybe there's an opportunity here to maybe take this market from a 6% market to a 3% market or 2% market. And maybe there's an opportunity to apply the same technology and principles that we've uh, built over time in equities trading and add some new stuff and apply it to sports trading. And, and that means that some of the world's largest market makers are going to enter the sports betting space. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So, so the, same mar- the same market makers that power today's biggest capital markets are going to be in the next five years, the same folks that power the, the sports market. Because- I, wait, I want to, Alex, I'm going to interrupt for a second. I want to challenge you on this. I want to ask what, like, what differentiates you from Betfair in that regard? Like Betfair doesn't have a ton of liquidity. I mean, they do on certain sports at certain times, but mm-hmm. certainly not like in-game um, for, I mean, maybe they do in-game for soccer, but not other sports. But what is like, what is stopping these market make these big financial firms from market making on Betfair? Um, like what, what differentiates you from Betfair in that regard? Yeah, so I, I don't want to speak towards any individual market maker, but there are several that now do. There are several that now uh, are creating strategies and are, uh, you, know, you know, deferring resources or, or, or um, dedicating resources to providing liquidity on some of the European venues. Um, I think the, the American opportunity is a little bit more exciting, again, just because the folks that we talk to really have an affinity and see themselves as users as a product anyhow, using the zero to 100 and their lives of being in, in trading. Um, but but in, in, the, in, the, in the case of like, you know, matching buyers and sellers, like we're not too dissimilar from Betfair in that regard. Like they match buyers and sellers, they use a totally different price convention and they have a different USP to customers. Uh, but, but, but sport trade is similar in that regard. We're matching buyers and sellers too. 
So I don't want to represent that we have some magic thing that, that Betfair doesn't have. What, what we do guarantee is like we are focused 100% on creating a liquid exchange. We have okay. no you know, intent of creating a sports book. We have no intent of taking a, a customer that may be losing and trying to use them a higher margin product. Like we are 100% fully dedicated to kind of making the exchange work. We, we fundamentally believe that it, that it will. I guess what I was trying to get at is like, is there a way, like, how do you incentivize liquidity? Because presumably, like, since you're not making the market, you you need to pay some, you're paying someone to do it, in essence. I mean, because who wants to hang, you know, Lakers minus eight? Um, and then, you know, so if it turns out LeBron's not going to play, that line drops down to like a pick and suddenly, boom, you know, you, you just have a, if, if you were, if, if, if you were sort of making a, a well, if you, if, if you had a pretty big position out there, you know, it gets sniped and it's, it's an ABV. So, I mean, I guess like, you know, for me, like, sure, I could make a market on Betfair and I'll make a market if I want to, if I want a match for like, you know, and, and I'll look at it for maybe like 10 minutes or something. Um, right. But I, I don't want to keep something up for that long because I'm afraid that, you know, I'm a sitting duck. So is there, like, is there, are you doing anything to sort of incentivize market makers that maybe other exchanges aren't doing? Um, I'm not sure exactly what some of the other exchanges do in terms of incentivizing market makers. I think there's a natural thing that happens of just so great about kind of, you know, free market dynamics and, and supply and demand and things like that is that the market makers will compensate themselves in the form of the spread. So when you're putting a bid off or quote, we'll use, we'll use Lakers, yeah, laying eight and a half points, right? near the market making me say, well, it's about 50-50. So I'm 47 bid at 53, right? Well, by basis of having this such a large gap between their bid and their offer, the price at which they're going to buy uh, Lakers minus eight and a half contracts and sell Lakers minus eight and a half contracts, that inherently is, is the compensation that they receive for, for potentially getting adversely filled. And I think we are thinking about what are the, what is the best type of commission structure both for retail customers as well as our market making partners. And we certainly don't have those answers yet either. Um, and then I also think there's a, another part of like, you know, make market makers have participated in the cap table of some of today's largest capital markets exchanges. You want to create the alignment to say, we are here to make this work. And that means that our market makers on day one, they're not there to make a ton of money. They're there to make it a hyper-liquid venue. And, and that model has worked really, really well in capital markets. So, you know what, I'm going to trade flat in Oracle today, or I'm going to trade flat in Microsoft today. I and mean, that's okay because I'm a part of this ecosystem. I'm a part of the exchange and, and we want to create volume. So getting from zero to one is extraordinarily hard. And what ends up on the exchange, to your point, is extremely toxic flow. And there are very, very, very few entities out there that can actually, you know, provide liquidity to those super illiquid venues where there's a ton of toxic flow. It's happened in capital markets. We're trying to bring those market makers into, into sports betting. It's certainly not going to be easy. Um, and then they compensate themselves again by having a spread, right? So they're not going to be at the tightest possible spread two days before the game, because you are going to get picked off by a Captain Jack or by a Spanky or, or perhaps by a Rufus. So, okay. So I kind of feel like at least from my naive perspective, like we're missing the point of this, right? Isn't the point of this, it's not that you're going to compete with the liquid market of, you know, warriors minus eight and provide a slightly better price. And that's why people will go with you. Mm -hmm. It's that you're going to be able to provide markets in events real time that other people aren't by allowing there to be multiple, you know, you know, competition market makers, people that are interested in trying to make markets on everything, mm -hmm. which you couldn't do yourself. And if you're able to provide the technology platform to allow them to do this, right? Like right now, if I were to want to bet, you know, like once the master starts or sorry, once the PGA championship starts, there's very few ways for me to bet on it, you know, in, in, in the flow, unless I'm, you know, waiting until like, the end of day two or day three or day four, mm -hmm. um, Rufus, am I right? Or is there, are, are my, there are a lot of in-game markets that I can bet in? Well, they're they're uh, not liquid in-game markets. Yeah. So I mean, between rounds, that's more liquid. A somewhat liquid by having people that are willing to do that in some of these 
things that are high, even, you know, even in the Super Bowl, towards mm-hmm. the end of the Super Bowl, right? Like you can't bet in game at certain times. It, it's like a delay. It's everything that like, um, I'm sorry, what's what's David O's company's name again? Deck Prism. Deck Prism. But Deck Prism is like trying to solve for, right. you guys are trying to do it hopefully with like 50 Deck Prisms. Yeah, I mean, we we would love to have Deck Prism participate in our venue, right? We, we Have you talked we, to them about it? We, we have at a high level. I think they are... Uh, really focus on some awesome integrations that they've been able to land, particularly circus sports. Um, but I think like, wouldn't it be great for the consumer, right? And this is what we're trying to do for the consumer at the forefront. Wouldn't it be great to have 10 deck prisms and have them all compete and say, well, so is it, is it your miracle of all the deck prisms and the best offer of all the deck prisms? And, and that's my spread. Well, that's amazing for the end customer it may not be great for any individual market maker, but that's not our job as the exchange to serve the market makers. Our job is to create the lowest possible spread and the highest amount of liquidity. And to your point, Jeff, like in golf, like that's a great differentiator is that on DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever, like they're going to give you the one-sided odds. And that's where they bake in a ton of VIG where they, you don't hold them accountable to saying, well, what, what about not, um, you know, Hideki Matsuyama? Or what about not Patrick Cantlay? They don't allow you to do that. And that's what allows them to say, well, this golfer is plus 400 when the true price, as Rufus would tell you, is like plus 650. So, so you're, take, you're paying a ton of VIG in, in that. So you can actually trade it during, during the tournament to say, well, I, I want to sell this golfer. And you can actually see the spread of like, okay, well, this golfer is six bid at seven. So there's a buyer at six and a seller at seven. And that's a $1 wide market, which is you know, a very, very, very tight market. So, so, so that is okay, a differentiation. So, so- and, yeah. It, it feels to me, if I were to think about the key to your success, it's building the best technology platform that allows market makers to basically get access to, you know, like a reasonable amount of speculators, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately that's the defensibility of, it, of, of someone else doing this is that they can't get, you know, 50 market makers powering their, their exchange, right? They, they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not able to do that. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, think- I guess like any exchange theoretically is going to allow someone to basically post things. So it is somewhat like getting the right people in there that are able to to provide the right markets and the right liquidity. How yes. do, how do you th- how are you gonna how are you gonna like uh, like you have some people in mind like you gave you gave equity to Rufus is that in hopes that he's gonna be like a market maker? I I don't think it's really possible to, for individuals to, to market make in the way that we would define what we call lead market maker. So should, I, did you call, after our could, panel, did you walk up to Jeffrey Yass and ask him if he wanted to do it? Uh, I think Jeff Yass is a perfect example of someone that has the mind of a sports better, understands the market structure, understands how the market structure could be improved by taking technology that he's been extremely successful in creating and making a ton of profitable strategies in, in, in many, many different asset classes and, and, and taking that to sports betting. That would be a perfect example of a firm that, that as we know, and as he said, currently does it in other jurisdictions and, and will likely be a very, very big part of the, of the U.S. market. Interesting. So did, did you talk to him after our panel and was he interested? And is it Susquehanna, like, shouldn't Susquehanna want to be an investor in this or... I, I think that we are, you know, probably very aligned with 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 Susquehanna in terms of uh, how they view the world. Um, and while I can't speak towards kind of any engagements we may or may not have with the firm, I, I think what what is there's no doubt is that they're going to be a big part of this market structure because they're saying, wait a minute, I, I can make a tighter market than than most folks out there. And to your point, Jeff, it may not just be about having a tight market; it's about having any market at all when it's a baseball game and there's a pitching change and everyone else is down. No, there should be a, a, a market there so that someone could trade into that market and providing that those bid offs quotes, you know, not too many people can do that. I think Ed and Matt from Deck Prism, you know, are, are, are proof of that, that like you have to be extraordinarily special and intelligent people to be able to, to make markets in a wide range of markets kind of in play. Very, very hard to do. Jeff, you and I want to, you want to make a golf market with me? You can invest. We'll just, uh, we'll, we'll I feel we'll a joke a coming on here. Great. Is there a joke coming on? No, 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 not in our future. No, I, I, 
it's certainly, um, I, first of all, I do not have the capital to support what you were suggesting Rufus. Um, but I, I do think again, like what I, what I find interesting is the, and I've said this again, like if any of you guys remember the worldwide sports exchange, that betting experience of being able to bet liquidly in game, I worry a little bit about some safety controls you guys are going to have to put in place Mm -hmm. for people getting picked off and And latency stuff, latency and things like that in the system. But I I think that's solvable ultimately. And, you know, for it to be better than the current in-game betting experience that we see will not be particularly hard. Right. I think, I think the key is going to be getting enough critical mass of traders or people like market makers willing to put bets up there. Have you, have you thought at all about user acquisition? Because obviously that's mm-hmm. one of the most challenging things in this business right now, especially in New Jersey, yes. where they've, you know, they've given out licenses to everyone who walks down the street who says they want to do a sports book. Mm-hmm. Is, Everybody should use, sign up using uh, the promo code BETTHEPROCESS. BETTHEPROCESS. <laughs> yeah. You'll get $15 free on deposit. No, not. And, free, we'll, free and we'll get like five grand. It'll be amazing. No. It, free, free contract. And we get, we get a percentage of your lifetime losses forever. And, and we're going to sell um, the company for $250 million. But anyway, yeah, just, don't sell us short, Jeff. Just, we're worth <laughs> way more than that. I, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so, so yeah, so the customer acquisition is going to define the success of this business or any, any B2C business. And we are primarily a B2C business. I think what we find very, very interesting is I just don't think we're going to be competing in the, Hey, you already use a bunch of sports books and come use this because X or becomes Y. I think the smart folks out there, the folks that, you know, listen to this show, the folks that follow Captain Jack or Rufus or Jeff or uh, Pikachu or, 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 or Joey Tunes or Spanky. Pikachu. Pikachu bets, I think, oh, was yeah. one, of the, one of the folks that I remember speaking to a, a year or two ago. I'm not sure what the gentleman's Like the real Pikachu? Is. The yellow one? Ooh, is he furry? Yeah. I think those I don't know. He's just yellow. I can't, I've never touched a Pikachu, so I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> I, think, environment. I think those customers are going to find their way on the most price sensitive platforms just by nature of like being price sensitive. That's what you do. You look at every single, um, and, and we're going to do our best to be on those odds boards where you can compare uh, odds. Boom is a great example and an amazing site that I, we have no affiliation with currently, but it's something I use as a customer because, you know, I like to shop on price and, and Rufus and Captain Jack told me how important that was. Um, but I think what we have found is like, when sports betting went away, all of these signups came into these brokerages like Public and Robinhood. You had people on Wall Street bets taking screenshots of like crazy out of the money call options. So by the way, if you understand how to trade a call option, this zero to 100 thing on sports trade is gonna be way simpler than that. There's no expiry, there's no Greeks, there's no, uh, you know, something being in the money or out of the money. There's no, you know, do you, do you exercise this or not? Um, and those customers are not being marketed to because they do not currently have a product for them in sports betting. So we are being very creative about where our potential customer lives. And what we're so excited about is that there are affiliates out there that haven't worked with sports betting operators before. And sports betting operators may be aware of those affiliates or not, but the fact remains that they do not have a product for that customer. If I went to someone that was on Wall Street Bets or on Stock Twits and I showed them American odds, they wouldn't even know which way to look at the phone, upwards or downwards. And if we, from our user testing, we show them what our product is and say, hey, look, this thing settles at 100 if it happens and zero if it doesn't go, they can do the same, same stuff they do on, on interactive brokers or whatever they use. So, so Jeff, to answer your question is, we're not going to be competing in any way against any of the big names because it's a total losing battle. We're going to be looking at where does our customer live? How do we get in front of that customer in a very efficient manner? And I think as we start to continue to do that, we have our first press release coming out tomorrow, announcing our website, which is at sporttrade.com, shameless plug. Um, the data is gonna decide like where does that customer live and, 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 and how to get the most kind of engagement um, out, of, out of those audiences and those personas. But, but that's our marketing strategy. Like there's just so many customers that are going to be sports bettors in the next five to 10 years that aren't currently sports betting. And we, we're, we want to go for those customers. And I think that's where the great economics exist. Well, so it, it sounds like you're, you, you're targeting a different persona, right. Than the other, than the traditional, like, uh, you know, bet, you know, uh, DraftKings or, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about a little bit about this, right? Um, one of your assumptions, right, is there's this pent up demand to do this um, mm-hmm. from people that are more financial and less sort of sports better savvy. I wonder how many people that are in the financial markets that like sports aren't already betting. So, and I don't know the answer to that question, but that mm-hmm. that's one of the sort of things that you're, you're hinging on or you're hoping, right. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a lot of this pent up and, and then you can capture it via partnerships or PR on CNBC or by having you go on as, you know, like then you're like, and, and honestly, this is like, like way too familiar and kind of gives me a pit in my stomach because of what we did with pro trade, which was, which was something that, you know, was, was largely a failure, but ended up ending up being a success at some level. Um, The, I think personally, right. Where your, where the value of your experience is going to lie is going to be around you know, being able to trade things in game, right. And being able to, being able to drive real live in-game experiences. And then having that, in, like one of the things we talked with Jason Trost about at Smarkets, um, which, you know, he talked about, but it wasn't necessarily the most believable answer was this idea that he wanted to be more than just a sports book and actually capture some of that, those eyeballs in, in the course of a game, because checking your, you know, wins and losses in your sports book is like checking a financial statement, right? And mm-hmm. if you can actually create an, an interesting experience around the in-game odds that you guys have and like what that means, and like instead of me being on, you know, Sports Action or sorry, the Action Network app or on ESPN's uh, mobile app during a game, I'm actually on your app because it's mm-hmm. like interesting and it has the scores and it has everything I need plus the real-time odds plus the ability to trade. And then if I partner with, a one of those sites that actually has a lot of eyeballs in game and have like clear integrations that allow someone to bet on these games while they're going on or bet on these events while they're going on. That to me would be where I differentiate, right? The financial markets stuff is I'm, I don't believe that there's all this pent up demand in people that understand finance, the people that are sitting in wall street bets that are dying to bet on sports personally. I mean, if you understand futures contracts, you probably can learn American odds, right? I mean, 100%, but I just don't think anyone wakes up any morning, a certain morning and say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to bet this at plus 400 and then it's going to go to plus 138 and I'm going to sell it. Like what the, (laughs) isn't that what Spanky does? You know, people wake up and say, I'm going to buy this asset at X and it's going to go up 10%. I'm going to sell it. Why? I mean, it, anyone can understand that. But, but Jeff, I, I do agree with what you're saying. And I think the heart of all of that is the approachability. And the approachability comes from the probability. Everyone understands probability and people use things like Action Network or ESPN, I'm sure to a large degree to like that live probability tracker. Like that's really cool. And anyone can understand that. And I think it's a way to bring more than just the kind of American odds better into things to say, well, okay, they have a 78% chance of winning now. And Joel Embiid just stepped off the court and it just went down to 68. Like that correlation just like is, is there and people understand it. It would just be really hard for someone to say, well, they actually went from minus 425 to minus 366. What does that even mean? I mean, you know, it just doesn't lend itself to what you're saying is the fluidity of like trading in and out. And, and just because so many Americans already understand to do it, like why teach them something new? Why not allow them to, 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 to enjoy and interact with sports betting in a way that they already trade everything else? So, so I do think that's going to define our success. And being the only company that's really leaning into that in the U.S., I think is going to position ourselves for some eyeballs. And as, as Rufus knows, we have some really interesting kind of uh, news on the horizon that, that are, is about bringing you know, other companies that are not from sports betting kind of into this space and hopefully bringing more eyeballs and, and positioning ourselves to, to have the opportunity to contest for, for, for customers' deposit. So that's my thoughts there. Do you guys, um, I'm, I'm sure you're thinking about this very iteratively and you have a bunch of experiments and theses that you wanna test and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make a bet with you that, that it ends up being you're able to pull a lot of recreational betters into these like in, in event experiences that are pretty simple. 
And like, there's, there's almost like two directions you can go in. One is this financial market analogy. And the other is just the notion that you can bet on any event in events. Um, I, I would bet that it's the latter that gets mm -hmm. you guys the most attention and the most customer adoption versus mm -hmm. the former. Well, I mean, I think yeah. they go hand in hand though, right? With the you like the user experience, like the user experience. But they don't go hand in hand, right? Sucks. Because in the one case, he's saying right. that, oh, this this you know Wall Street bets and financial market and Robinhood, and that's the thing people want to do. Whereas the other one is more about the idea that like I like sports, I want to be able to bet on, you know, at any point in the PGA Championship, I might have, I might be watching and be like, God, I really wish I'd bet on, you know, Colin Morikawa. And, you know, he comes up and he goes, birdie, birdie. And he goes, God, I really still wish I could bet on Colin, Colin Morikawa. You know, there, there's a price for that. But right now, there's no way to really bet on that. I'll be like, that putt looks like it's on a really good line. Bet, bet, bet. What's that? But I'm not, but Rufus, it's like, for people that don't, you know, people that listen to our podcast don't, may not realize how bad in-game the in-game oh, betting so opportunities are there's just no, like just hideous. even from a sheer recreational point of view right, right. like you, the the thing that i think that i i get challenged by the most in, in talking to, to talking to like you guys in the world that are professional sports bettors is how everything has to degrade to how do i make a lot of money off of this yes. whereas like i think the 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 value proposition that alex should focus on and sport trade should focus on is how do i make this experience really fun where I can get put down a, like a little bit of money to have some entertainment on this game. Yep. And, you know, I, I, hopefully nobody loses their, their shirt on it or anything like that. But just the idea that, because in the world that you guys are talking about, when you're going to try to make tons of money on off this stuff, someone's going to be on the other end of that and lose a lot of money. Well, I mean, I eyeballs are valuable too, right? I, I think, I think responsible gaming to your point, Jeff's is really important and, and true to kind of our, our, our mission to elevate the industry we, you know, are going to have some exciting news coming out soon, but like we, we, that's going to be at the forefront for us. We're, we're a natively built application. We're actually one of the only natively built apps, I think in the U S just from having used about all of them. And, and I just find that like, as a customer, like I've been sucked into the casino stuff and I've had some terrible experience like casino. Why can't I just self exclude from casino? You can't do that on any of the apps. In fact, They've made casino a tab that you can click on. Does anyone actually sign up for X and Y casino? No, you sign up for the sports book and then they add the casino later and they push it on to you. So I think that making sure customers are doing this responsibly, given that to your point, Jeff, it's, it's very dynamic and you could be trading a lot, given that like you start with some position and now you want to, you know, now Colin Markov has made two birdies and you want to add to your position. Like we want to make sure that our customers are setting limits. And you know, we have been at a high level discussing things with Keith White and the folks over at the National Council of Problem Gambling. We know what the metrics are. How many, how much, what percent of customers set limits? We're, we're gonna beat those limits and we're gonna tell the world about how we're beating those limits because we're gonna bring those, uh, those, those features right to the forefront. Make sure that you're doing this responsibly. Incredibly important for us. It's one of the reasons we don't believe in casino. We, we won't do it. I think it's a responsible gaming disaster that you could bet $5,000 on a, on a roulette spin, you know, and do that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times a minute. Um, and I think that any company that, that, that does online casino, it's really hard to operate in this world of like, I care about responsible gaming and I'm offering online casino. Like I just, no one's done it yet to where those things can coexist. So, so doing this responsibly is incredibly important and look no further than Robinhood, right? To make sure that customers are doing this safely and that there's protections in place. I actually think it's one of the places where capital markets could learn from sports betting. You should be able to set limits on Robinhood. You should be able to set limits on, on Coinbase. You're buying and selling crypto or options. So responsible gaming is like critical to us. And that may be that we're decreasing our volume, but like we just don't want customers, you know, not doing this for what it's meant to be made for, which is which is entertainment. Rufus, you got anything else for him or we can we let him go? No, I think that's it. Uh, I'm yeah, excited for the news that's upcoming. I mean, so. I'm excited to see what happens with this. I, you know, again, maybe I'll move to New Jersey because I really miss the ability to do this whole like, you know, in like I I used to just the golf tournament stuff is just so fun. 
I mean, what I would do, like, you know, and I'd, I'd ask Rufus, like, what are his picks for this week? But like, what's so exciting about this is I have no idea who's favored. I used to play a ton of golf and now I don't follow it much, but let's say Dustin Johnson's favored and maybe he's, I don't know, 10% chance to win on sports trade. He may be like eight bit at 12. So what I would do is like, I'd come in and say, you know what? I want to be nine bit at 11. That's the thing that's so cool about sports trade is that you from your couch can participate on level footing with Circa, with DraftKings, with FanDuel, with whoever, and say, I want to offer to both buy and sell this bet or this instrument at the tightest spread. And when customers are buying and selling this instrument, they're going to do it against me. And, and, and I think that that's, you know, if I were, you know, be able to use this, which I'm not going to be able to do, unfortunately, uh, that's what I would do is I would come and make two ways on a bunch of these golfers. Um, but I guess Rubis, what's, no, your, what's your pick for this? Week? I, I was going to say, like, I agree. Like, and, and there's, there are, I guess, private exchanges out there um, in the world of sports, uh, sports betting that, that I've had fun seeding golf markets on, like, you know, it's, um, it's fun. You to get those fills and like, boom, oh, yeah. wow, you just filled nine, filled 11, boom, boom. I just made $2. Like it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, who are my picks? Mm-hmm. I bet you bet Shoffley because he got hammered on Chris. Bing, bing, bing. Jeff, wait, let's see. Let's see if Jeff can figure out who I bet. I, I like this. Game. I bet you bet Rom. You bet Shoffley. Um, I'm not who else. I'm not, I, I don't know who else. Those, those are the sure. only two guys at the top of the leaderboard. I bet outright. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's a market mover that Rufus Peabody. Of course he is, but it's, he also, he also leaves a scent behind him. Like it's like a trail. So Shoffley's 25 to one here on Fox. He's 25 to one. Where, where yeah. are you getting 25 to one? You, you got to go to odds boom. This is a plug. Better. And oh, I, that's I, wait, it, where, it, where Fox bet. Oh, I think that's one of those promos. I know like, um, mm. I think William Hill had like a plus you all know, right, all right. Enough plugging odds. sports books. Okay, that's one of the uh, odds. Um, it, it's a promo that's like for fifty dollars bet. That's it. Or $10 Alex, bet. Thank, thanks, thanks for joining us. I really good, appreciate it. This was good awesome. luck. Thanks good so luck with things. things. And hopefully, you know, when you launch, you can check back in after six months, and you can tell me whether I was right or not. Hundred percent. Would love to do so. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. Crunching all the numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of Reddit.